All right, hello. Welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I am one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I am Corwin Heller. And I, I am... my notes for that one. Yeah, yeah. Constantly trying to find new ways to enunciate different parts of each of those syllables. Uh, <laughs> but at the beginning, <laughs> it gets too static if I do it the same way. So enjoy. I hope you, everyone's enjoying that as much as I enjoy doing that. But anyway... Um, Woo, we are we are almost through the first weekend in uh, the MLB season. If you're listening to this on Monday, we have completed the first half a week of the MLB season. Um, it's Easter Sunday as we're recording this. Shout out to the Catholics and Christians celebrating this rabbit-filled holiday today. Um, and uh, man, has it been nice having baseball back. This is the part of the season where I don't do this all year just because eventually life gets in the way, but I am watching just random games on tv when i have a spare even two minutes i flip on some weird game that i otherwise wouldn't care about on tv and it is glorious um i am just living in this moment yeah it's that that stretch to start the season when you're still fine watching four baseball games a day and and you're willing to put all of your all of your other things in your life on hold until you can kind of piece that together or until, you know, you get tired of watching meaningless baseball games between the Rangers and the the Royals just because they're on. So very much loving it. Very much happy with it. Speaking of the Royals, I got my, my Royals cap on today. I'm wearing a Pittsburgh Crawford's um, sweatshirt. It's random baseball gear season as all the teams are finally going. Um, speaking of Kansas City, though, I guess we could pivot into this we didn't really have an order for what we were going to talk about today but um the mlb all-star game this season was set to take place in atlanta this would be the first all-star game in atlanta since they built the new stadium the last time um the all-star game was in uh the i guess the atlanta area since now that stadium is not in atlanta was july of 20 sorry 2000 when it was at turner field back when it was Turner field. Um, they have not hosted an all-star game since. So this would have been their first time in 21 years, but Georgia is going through something of an upheaval at the moment as due to the uh, super safe and normal election. <laughs> I feel like we should say that. Um, and very high not be us being sarcastic. No, it, it truly isn't. It's, it's stage setting. Um, and, also due to pushback as a result of uh, historically high black voter turnout in the state, the state government has chosen to pass some exceedingly restrictive um, legislation around uh, voting rights making, and you know, we're not going to get too much into the bill because that's not the show. Um, but it, it's, it's bad. And if you read it, 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 it's bad. They, they, they limit the availability of ballot drop boxes, which help mitigate lines, which is a ma- major deterrent uh, for people voting, especially in black areas in, well, in the country, but especially in Georgia, which have hours and hours of wait lines as, compo- as opposed to the white areas, which have none to minutes of wait times. Uh, it makes giving out water bottles illegal, things that's called line warming, which is giving out foods to people who end up waiting hours and hours in line because of the systemic issues within the state um, it's, it's restrictive and it's prohibitive and it's to such a large 
oppressive degree that there's been significant pushback from commercial entities in the state of Georgia. If you keep up on the news, um, Coca-Cola, which is a obviously a major Atlanta presence, a major Georgia presence, um, has pushed back on the Georgia legislature. Um, Delta Airlines has pushed back. Yeah, the Corbin has issued air, air quotes, and um, it's been very soft. This is and, an audio podcast. Yeah. Um, it's, obviously, these are all pushbacks you'd like to have seen happen you know, before paper hit pen, and uh, it, it might have prevented this from happening in the first place, but whatever. Um, Delta has pushed back to a much lighter degree since they kind of endorsed this legislation before it got signed, but they pushed back. MLB has now joined the ranks of major commercial entities to issue some type of statement and uh, do something to uh, make their statement felt a little bit more financially, which is for Republicans where it counts. Uh, and they have moved the all-star game, which the state estimates will cost them $100 million in tourism revenue. How they make that figure up, who the fuck knows? It doesn't really matter. No, th- that's um, not how they made it up. It's just they made it up. Yes, exactly. Um so I guess let's start with, oh, geez. Honestly, Corwin, I'm going to let you just give me a reaction to this because there's so many different avenues of this. I'm not quite sure where to start, but sure. what's your feeling on it? Oh, I thought we were going with bit by bit so I could react to each. Uh, All right, no, total we can do it that way. Oh, we don't have to. So here, let's start with this. The idea of moving it, no set destination yet. There's There's been a lot of talk on you know from just people on Twitter saying, please put it in my city. Um, moving it out. As a statement, how do you feel about that part of it? All for it. You know, it, it's something where I know this is not for social justice reasons. I know this is just because of social or uh, corporate pressure from other corporate sponsors. Um, you know, MLB has come out and said that. I will say I'm happy they made the move. I don't necessarily need to be happy because it's not for the right reasons quote unquote for whatnot but it is you know still it's the correct outcome not necessarily the correct process which i know is the opposite of what we preach about sports here but at the same time this is bigger than sports so we're here with the outcome we have to be at at least happy with that um i am excited to see where it goes yeah i think i think everyone loves playing that little game of what, where does this thing happen? Like when you hear about the uh, NHL expanding, it's like, Ooh, where's it going to go? And now it's, this is coming about for a much darker reason, but I think fans are still having fun with it, which is nice. Um, yeah, obviously. So there was talk, Oh, geez, only a week or two ago about uh, the players union, potentially boycotting the game, um, refusing to go if it was kept in Atlanta, all that stuff. And so when this news originally broke that the game was going to be moved, a lot of people had assumed that there was communication between MLB and the players. And apparently, as Corbin said, that was not the case. The MLB MLB caved to um, pressure from its commercial partners, you know, sponsors and whatnot. Which, like Corbin said, that's not the way you'd want it to happen. But given the fact that something positive happened with how little positive happens with MLB and in politics in general, you take it. Um, The annoying part about this is that it is, for me, the annoying part about this is that it's seen as political. And it's being seen as um, a, a private entity politicizing an issue or getting involved in state and regional politics. 
Um, and that it, it's basically a, a big shut up and dribble from a lot of other people. And I think that is uh, so incredibly one incorrect uh, and, and two uh, bullshit and evil to look at it that way. The way, first off, voting as a concept is not political. Voting as a concept is freedom of speech. It's having a say in how your government operates. Again, we're not going to get too political about it in, in you know, arguing over political parties or, or ideologies. But the core concept of voting should be accessible for everybody. That's just it's just not political. It's like saying everyone should have access to food and water. I mean, it, it it's not that part isn't politics. So the fact that MLB disagrees with someone saying, hey, we're going to make it even if it's tangentially harder for people to vote, even if you 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 can won't concede that it makes it significantly harder for people to vote, even if it's just tangentially harder for people to vote, the fact that MLB is saying we don't like that shouldn't be an outrageous point, and it shouldn't be considered political because they're not saying uh, we should socialize healthcare or some whatever partisan divide we're in right now. It's that people should be allowed to vote with ease. So I don't like the fact that this is getting framed politically. It's one of those things where people are trying to make it political because they want to make it a lightning rod. They want to make it something that they can get upset and angry about or, you know, make and start an argument over. Have a dividing uh, I point. think at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's going to be political in the nature that it seems like everything we do in a public space is now political and politicized um at the same time it's it's unavoidable it's not something you know we can't just we as mlb uh, the royal we can't just sit and let that happen and do nothing and just let it happen around us and say no we are not political we can't do anything regarding this in any way because that inaction itself is a political statement and a political choice. Um, so it's not something we can avoid you saying it's, oh, this is a political move. This is a political move. That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't do anything. It doesn't change anything. That's just the way it is. A decision had to be made. This was the decision that was made. It's the right decision that was made. Um, you know, people are saying like, oh, like this never used to be the case. So politics never used to be a part of sports. Sports was always fucking when and escape it's like all right the only reason the milwaukee braves came to atlanta was because well i shouldn't say the only reason one of the biggest stipulations for the milwaukee braves coming to atlanta was that atlanta's stadium at the time needed to be integrated in order for them to do so so you can't say oh the atlanta braves have been an apolitical organization for decades since i was a kid this is something new and different and wrong and it shouldn't be like this it should be an escape it's like well guess what atlanta you have not been a shining star of of the moral compass in a way um that you need to understand that these things don't happen in a vacuum and i do feel for the people of atlanta who i guarantee most of them did not want this to be passed 70 percent of georgians did not want this law to be passed i'm sure most of georgia 
99.99% of Georgians wanted the all-star game to be in Atlanta because that's such a, a cool experience. And, and if done right in this situation, in this Corona filled world we're in now, it could have been a still really nice experience for all the fans who were able to go and, and uh, safe to the, the highest extent it could have been. So I feel for them, you know, I know the favorite right now is to bring it to Colorado and have this at Coors Field, which again would be a, a very cool situation all around. Um, so we'll see. This is definitely not the end of this. No, for sure it's not. Um, and to go back to your point about um, the inherent politics of sports, I, I mean, what stadium? Point to me a stadium that's not publicly funded. Uh, they, they, they all are. They all, yeah. they all are. They all receive public funding to, to certain various varying extents. And isn't the whole point of Citizens United that corporations are allowed to do what they want based on ethics because they act as entities and people? If you're going to say that Coca-Cola can donate money to, I don't know, fucking Ron DeSantis or whomever garbage person you want to pick, that is them voicing an opinion in politics, them donating money, any corporation doing anything involved in the world of governance is going to be political. This is apolitical, but it's still just because it operates in a government sphere doesn't mean it's one, any different than actual political speech that we have allowed corporations to make. And two, just because you don't like the speech that they're making doesn't mean that they don't have the right to do it. No one likes the fact that corporations donate to political candidates that they vehemently disagree with. But at this point in time, given the status of things like Citizens United and the laws that we have on the books, we all acknowledge that they are technically allowed to do it, though we might want that to change. Um, and then furthermore, like you said, with the whole segregation aspect of it, the, if you think that sports aren't political, quote unquote, based on how you are probably defining, po defining politics, um, then you don't know the history of any, any sport ever. Sports has long been an avenue for black and people of color in the United States to gain some type of access towards wealth in the country and to gain some type of platform to advance um, the position of their communities in the eyes of America. I, I, I mean, and while you might say, Jesse Owens, he's the guy that ran really fast at, at, the, at the Olympics in Germany that one time. Jackie Robinson, he was the first black man to play baseball. Um, the, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was just a really good basketball player for the Lakers. Like, all those things are true, but they are the surface of all those people's experiences and what ended up happening as a result of them being in the positions that they were in. And those things are not political, quote unquote, in the sense that we're debating policies or the merits of governance um, and the modes and methods in which we operate as a society um, within within the confines of a political spectrum. But they are, quote unquote, political in the fact that they had to fight for actual legislation to be considered people uh, in very literal senses. And the idea that while voting rights might seem more minor to the civil rights struggles of the 60s and to large extents also the 70s, um, it's still part of the fight that existed in those time periods that, that go on to today. And the fact that MLB, who for all the shit we give them on this podcast, and it is all deserved, actually was on the forefront of the segregation or the integration conversation back in the 40s, this is the one area in which they actually do have some level of 
some level of historical basis to say that we want to be a leader. And the fact that they're doing it is very important. And if you are looking at a voting rights bill, a voting restrictions bill, and saying that this is good, and anybody who disagrees with me is morally bankrupt, you're just a fucking idiot. I mean, you're just a, you're just an absolute <laughs> knuckle dragon moron. I, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Actions have consequences. That's all there is to it. Even if you think you're right, actions have consequences. And it's, it's one of those things where the people who are going all out and saying, oh, we do need to cut down on this. Oh, there are, we, we need to regulate and limit the amount of people that can vote that, whatever your argument is in this regard, supporting this bill, you need to take a step back and realize you're drinking the Kool-Aid because who's, who's winning from more people not voting from less people voting from less minorities voting. Who are those people so heavily favored to vote for who is in control and why are they making these decisions in order to limit their voice and their ability to vote? Who is at the bottom line winning out of this situation? It's not the American people. They're going to tell you it is, but it's not because the American people are trying to vote and vote for the other guys who aren't making these laws. Um, but I feel like that's uh, that's more into politics than we were even trying to get. So Agreed. I won't try to. Uh, yeah. And, and we, can, we can move on from here. Um, I, I, the only other thing I, l- l- final thing I'd want to say is that please keep in mind that players are not just, uh, loose accumulations of atoms that happen to also put on a glove and, and swing a bat. They are people with interests. They are individuals that come from communities that they would like to see bettered in, in some ways. Um, mm-hmm. these are people who are going to fight for certain causes that they think will benefit um, their different worldviews, communities, families, friends, all that type of stuff. And it, it's they're not wrong to do it. No one's wrong to fight for a cause that they believe in, so long as that core cause is grounded in some type of actual morality. And that goes for, for ball players just as much as it goes for anybody wearing the right suit tie. Mm-hmm. Sorry, what were you going to say? No, that was that was it. That's all all we need. So where do you want to go from here? Uh, real quick, final point on it. So do you want to see the all-star game move to Coors field or do you have a different place in your heart? You'd like it to go, uh, San Diego, but if it ends up at Coors, I, that's totally fine. But I, you know what? I'm not locked into, Oh, it should go here. It should go there. It's like, I just want it to go somewhere fun. Colorado's fun. Coors is fun, especially when you have all-star power hitters hitting in Coors Field all together. Yeah, that's really fun. I want to see that ball get knocked around out of the park. Um, but, you know, if it's not going to be San Diego, I'd want it to be. Coors is fine at the end of the day. I feel you. I, I, I think there's very few wrong answers. I think there's a couple of wrong answers, but I think there's, by and large, very few of them. I think... Uh, but Marlins Park. Ah, uh, well, yeah. Um but I think I think uh, I know they just hosted it a couple years ago. But I also think DC would make a great spot, um, a chance for MLB to preach a little bit of unity, um, a city that got really ravaged earlier on this year on January sixth. Um, 
a city that is majority black and they could really drive home the point of where we care about look at us we care about racial justice this year um same with seattle like oh seattle be an interesting choice too um dc which has large black leadership as well um and uh seattle also actually does too um but yeah i think there's i think there's a few fun choices out there that um MLB could use to continue making the point if they felt like it. I'm not saying that they necessarily have to, but I obviously think it would be good if they did. But yeah, this is a, this is, as you said, this is not over. So we shall see. Um, So there's a, there's a lot of other fun, not other, because we didn't talk about the fun story. There are, there are fun stories that are happening around baseball right now as the season has kicked off, um, with a bang and we've had a couple um you know it, three games in the season we've already had some 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 fun little stories kind of come about um players who are doing some cool things but before we get into any of those smaller topics corwin you had something you wanted to uh to walk our walk us through yeah you know uh sitting there watching uh opening day games as you do thinking about nothing but baseball the rock or the Padres game was on that night. At that point, I was at levels of inebriation that one would not quantify as sober. previously unheard of. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I was watching Eric Hosmer just beat the living shit out of the ball and just be Mr. Clutch when it matters. And I thought, wow, is there any third option in an offense in the National League better than Eric Hosmer? Uh, and so me and my beautiful mind uh decided hey i'm actually going to do that instead of just thinking it and moving on with my life so basically i'm not thinking number three hitter i'm not thinking third best player i'm just saying hey is there a number three option in an offense uh, a third best batter third best offensive threat you have your star you have your supporting star and then you have that top of the top of the middle range group of guys that's like hey this guy is could be a star in his own team maybe probably a supporting guy in on most teams but for us he's a number three our third best option who is the best so went through all of the national league teams i put my opinionated you know players down josh i don't know if you did any looking uh for some of the teams where it's not nearly as clear um for your own takes charts here Perfect, perfect. Uh, so I figured if uh, if you want to just kind of roll through this team by team, we could uh, we could do so. Yeah, sure. Where do you want to start? Uh, do you have it still in the same order as the the list I sent? So Atlanta Braves at, at the top. You know what? I didn't, but they're, that's actually a good way of doing it. They're grouped by division. Uh, it's just not listed as so. Cool. I actually also have the American League rosters up, so we can hey, I can yeah. I can blitz you with those after we're done Absolutely. so yeah all right so let's start with the braves oh i will okay. say caveat before we start uh i typically uh went with like ops as the the marker to look for i didn't just go sort by ops for last season and then pick the third best guy i kind of went with a rolling track record you know guys understand had bad years had jumping years or you know bigger years jumped up um, but for the most part, OPS was kind of the, the factor to look at, the stats to look at. All right, I'm with you. Okay, so for the Braves, you have 
Ozzy Albies mm-hmm. being behind or yeah, being behind yeah. Acuna and Freeman. Mm-hmm. And I feel right. like this is one of those that was kind of easier to break down. Um, Ozzy Albies is a is a clear top option, would be a top option for many teams, but Ronald Acuna, Freddie Freeman, those are not kind of guys that you you beat out often. So um, definitely started off tough. Started with the Braves and immediately was like, oh, okay, so this is Eric Cosmer is definitely not the clear cut number one third option in, in the National League because this is a this is a high point to start on. This is so the only other person I would wonder about is who do you think has the higher career OPS plus Ozzy Albies or Marcelo Zuna? Ooh, career OPS. Yes. I feel like Ozuna's had a couple down years, so I'll stick with Albies. So as it stands, Albies, a career OPS plus of 105, and Ozuna, a career OPS of 116. OPS plus, I should say, 116. Hmm. Wait, what were the two numbers again? I've already mixed them up in my head. 105 for Albies, 116 for Ozuna. That's pretty cool. All right, well, and uh, just just for a baseline, let's see what Eric Hosmer's career OPS plus is. One oh nine. Yeah, not that. That's pretty good though. Wow, <laughs> you don't. I know. I look. Small sample sizes are super fun because the numbers are all outrageous. Um, it obviously doesn't mean anything. Um, but do you know what Hosmer's current OPS plus is right now? Yeah, no, it's fucking stupid. <laughs> Five hundred ninety five. <laughs> yeah. Which is why I thought of this immediately because he's been having a hell of a year. I mean, yeah, uh, he currently is played in two games, eight plate appearances, seven at bats, three runs, six hits, a double, two home runs, six RBIs, a walk, one strikeout. Um, wow. goddamn, Yeah. An 857 batting average and an 875 OBP. <laughs> Do you know what uh, Ozzy Albies OPS is uh, OPS plus is right now? Negative 100. Yeah, bitches doesn't have a hit. No hits and a strikeout. Yeah, Great likewise, for Corwin's fantasy team. Ozuna currently has a negative 33 OPS plus. Um, he does Small sample sizes, guys. Gotta love him. Yeah, because he has a hit, but he has five strikeouts, which is nutty. Yeah, absolutely. It's just hilarious. Nutty. The highest batting average on the team is 286, followed by 250, followed by 167. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Braves are. Uh, cold to start the season i guess we can i guess we can say um all right shall we talk about the so hold on hold on um hosmer versus albies who wins um i think the track record with hosmer would make me want to stick with Haas. okay i i agree obviously looking forward albies definitely has the brighter future might even you know be you know, this year we could see him be the 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 bigger threat, um, but track record, clutch. You know, being that third guy, you don't need to be on all the time. But when it matters, I'm going with Haas. Call me a homer. Fuck it, I don't give a shit. Whatever. Homer Hosmer. Uh, as as it stands right now, I'd probably also take Hosmer. Um, as you wear it, by it'd, it'd be, Kansas City Royals hat. It. it It'd be it'd be tough though. I wouldn't feel yeah. like super great about it. Between Hosmer and Ozuna, uh, I would take Hosmer. I think I would go Ozuna. Okay. I think. 
It's like it's like I would give Haas an edge against a comparable Albies, but I would give Ozuna an edge against a comparable Haas. You know what I mean? Which is fun. Yeah. All right. So Miami Marlins I have next on my list. All right. Who do you got? Uh, I have Brian Anderson behind Starlin Marte and Miguel Rojas. This was tough. I mean, just this year alone, Jazz Chisholm absolutely so would. Jazz. Yeah, he just looks electric, looks just unstoppable. Definitely seems like uh, the kind of star uh, that's blossoming. Um, I know Garrett Cooper has also had a, a stellar year so far. Definitely had a great game yesterday. Um, but track record last couple of years, Brian Anderson seems to be that kind of guy as their number three. Yeah, this is a this is a, such a weird team because they've got a collection of um, like minor league prospects that they've like traded for over the past few seasons, coupled with uh, like weird older dudes. Um, it, it seems like a bunch of guys who like haven't ever quite put it together in the majors. Like I remember Garrett Cooper on the Yankees and it was like, can he stay? Who the fuck knows? Um, like, Do we care. Who knows? Well, it's like, we like, did we need him? Didn't we, you know, it was one of those situations. Um, so it, it's like an odd team. Um, so let's see. Starling Marte. Where's your stats? Okay. Uh, Career OPS plus of 115. Okay, that makes sense. Miguel Rojas. Why did I close this page? Okay. Apparently so. Starlin Marte. 30 career war. A lot more than I would have expected. Yeah. Uh, And then Miguel Rojas, career 7.8 war. Career OPS plus of 86. I might be tempted to say instead of Brian Anderson, maybe Jesus Aguilar. With his career OPS plus of 112. Oh, Brian Anderson, 111, though. Oh, damn, that's tough. Um, yeah, uh, I just put uh, Brian Anderson just, uh, I don't know, Jesus Aguilar has always kind of just seemed to be the least sexy, less threatening. I don't know. Jesus Aguilar, who weighs nearly and, and... 70 pounds more than Brian Anderson at the same height, which is kind of hilarious. Yeah. The big boy. Doesn't quite have that speed. No speed. Yeah, he's all right. an all-star, man. Say what you will. That's true. We can only complain so much. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I'll probably take Haas here. I I definitely would take Haas. All right, so we're going to the Phillies next? Yep, Philadelphia. Uh let's see. I had Alex Bohm. This was uh this was definitely one where I went with young talent and potential over uh track record uh, I think clearly Bryce Harper JT Real Muto uh, are the two number ones here um, you know D.D. Gregorius is an option uh, Reese Hoskins is an option I went with Alex Bohm because his his rookie year last year was spectacular you know finished second in rookie of the year voting um, you know 881 OPS 138 OPS plus as a rookie 338 batting average um, you know he, he had a pretty great year He's definitely going to be a guy that, you know, comes in and is around for a good while and is their third baseman in the future. So I went with Alex Bohm. If you wanted to go Reese Hoskins, absolutely. If you wanted to go D.D. Gregorius, sure. Um, Again, it's one of those things where 
yes, he does have the track record, um, but injury history, things like that. I don't know if I'm as threatened by Didi. Yeah, Didi is is funny because he is like the picture of league average hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, his career OPS plus is 100. His current season OPS plus is 100. Um, he is so down the middle. Um, since his 2017 season, he's found way more of a bat. Uh, his career OPS plus since 2017 is higher. It's 110. Um, he's weighed down by his earlier seasons in the league. Not that it really matters much, but uh, anyway, this is this is tough because this Phillies team, if they all actually performed well at the same time, is really good. Um, so the basic idea here is who is these teams third best hitter and is that guy better than Eric Cosmer? So if I have to pick the top three hitters for the Phillies, so number one's Bryce Harper, right? I think we can lock that it's in. A, it's a givey. Yep. Yeah. Number two is JTL, JT Real Muto. I think you can lock that in. Yeah. Yep. I would probably put three for Reese Hoskins just because he's mm-hmm. been doing it longer. Yeah. I, I can't argue otherwise. <laughs> And it's not like he's a, a an average mediocre hitter. It's like Reese Hoskins has had some really good seasons under his belt. Yeah, even, yeah, even I, I can't two argue. years ago, which I thought was a down year for him, his 2019 season, it was still a 100, 112 OPS plus. Yeah. Um, that's still a good year. Last year led um, led the NL in walks. Which is saying 116 is is not yeah. you 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 earned Nearly that. 30 homers, 34 the year prior in 2018. Guy hits for power. I guess I would take Reese Hoskins over Eric Cosmer. Yes. I and in large part because of those walks. Because Haas yeah. has never crossed so 66 is his high water mark. And 66 for Eric Haas for um not Eric Cosmer. Reese Hoskins would be his third highest season. So he's got two seasons better than that already out of four seasons played. This being his fifth season. Um, and one of which was a rookie where he played, you know, two of those seasons where he didn't hit 60, games. he played under 50 games. You yeah. Know, had under 212 plate appearances. Yeah. I'm so, thinking I'm, I think I'm really like, I have not appreciated Reese Hoskins's on base percent. So Eric Hosmer's on OBP 337 for his career. That that is a good on base percentage. It's it's not mm-hmm. like super high, but you're not looking at that going like, wow, he needs to get on base more. Um, that that is fine. Uh, Eric, uh, God, God, I can't miss up these fucking names. Um, Reese Hoskins, three sixty five. That is good. Mm-hmm. That is that is that is very nice. Wow, he's never been an all star. That's that feels so weird. First base is deep, man. It is. It is. Yeah. It's it's easy to be a good hitter at first base because everyone's bad at defense there. And Reese Hoskins, bad at defense. Oh boy, that's how that's why he got moved to first. Yep. Left field was not for him. No, no, it's just funny because left field is kind of for everybody. <laughs> I would uh, play I played left field when I played softball. All right. So I've that only so far season. put Eric Hosmer over Ozzy Albies. All right, so let's move to the next team. That's the No, oh, and and Brian Anderson, right? Right, right. So I, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. So we're we're going with uh, Reese Hoskins as our guy at on the Phillies. I would take. I would. I would consider Reese Hoskins the number three hitter, the third best hitter on the Phillies, and I would take him over Eric Hosmer. 
I'm I'm going to switch my vote to Reese Hoskins because this conversation kind of solidified it for me. I also um, like how for we're not I will take Washington Reese yet. over Haas. Okay, there we go. Maybe that's why I keep saying the names wrong because it's Reese Hoskins and it's Eric Hosmer. But anyway, Haas and Haas. Yeah. Haas, Haas. Um, I will note that in your text message, you wrote down the Washington Capitals instead of the Washington Nationals, and I find that I funny. saw that. I corrected it and then changed it back because it's like that's just too funny. Yeah, that's funny. All right. All right, so let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk the Mets, man. Man, those fucking Mets. This one was tough, man, because there's a lot of players on the Mets that are kind of just above average. Like you have, I think, you know, two clear guys as Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso as the two locked in one, two guys. And then everyone else is just kind of like, all right, Brandon Nimmo's pretty good. Well, it's Jeff a lot of McNeil's inconsistency. Pretty good. You know, Jonathan VR does that one thing well. Like, like uh, this Dominic is... Smith, good, but who knows? I don't know. This is this is such a weird team because ev- everyone absolutely can be dangerous, but not everybody tends to be at their potential at the same time. Like it, it's. Sorry, so number one, I think we can pretty safely say is Lindor, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, number two, I think is actually kind of tricky because, all right, so let's look at um, Pete Alonso, who doesn't have a huge career yet in terms of amount played because he only came up in 2019 and then 2020 was a shortened season. Um, but even in 2020, which was, I think, looked upon as being a little bit more challenging of a year for him, um, he still had a 121 OPS plus. That's still really good. Um, at the same time, he's up against guys with a little bit larger uh, careers in terms of length, like Michael Conforto, who has had one single season below a 120 OPS plus, and it was in 2016. Outside of that, his OPS plus by year, starting in 2015, his rookie year, um, 130, 95, 148, 122, 126, 153. Excellent. Excellent career so far. I, I know he's, he's so good. That's why I went with him. Cause I was breaking down, you know, all right, I want to look at Dominic Smith. want to look at Jeff McNeil. want to look at JD Davis, Brandon Nemo. There's a lot of guys to decide between and his numbers just kind of were like, Oh shit. Like this is both extremely good and consistent. It was the consistency for me. Yeah, I mean, like, right, he's not always super healthy, but when he's playing, he's really good. Yeah, and and you know the same thing goes for Brandon Nimmo, who's he's so up and down. Here's here's Brandon Nimmo's OPS plus by season. It's it's so funny. Um, twenty sixteen, his rookie year, eighty three. That's an aberration. You ignore that. Um, twenty seventeen, one fifteen. Twenty eighteen, one forty eight. Twenty nineteen, one ten. 2020, 143. It, 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 it's never, never dips like very low, but it goes like floor, ceiling, floor, ceiling. You know, there's very little in between with the, with the Brandon Nimmo seasons. Um, so I probably wouldn't put Haas above any of the guys we've talked about, um, including Jeff McNeil, who I think I, it's easy to forget about him because he doesn't have like a set position. So you look at him the way you'd look at a utility player like Enrique Hernandez, who is like, he's a good batter. You know, Enrique you know, Hernandez. Call is a good Enrique batter. Hernandez by Kiki. Please. I hate it. I, I can't do you it. You hate, hate it? I hate it. Uh why? 
because of the way it's spelled. Kiki, K-I-K-E. Yeah. Kiki, that's how you say it. Yeah, no, I know. I, I I hate it. I hate it Kiki. so much. Say it. No, I, I, I loathe it. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So Enrique Hernandez, who is like, he's, he's a good hitter, you know, like he's not earth shattering. Jeff, Big, Jeff McNeil actually is a phenomenal. Jeff McNeil's career OPS plus is 138. Yeah. Like he's stupid. Good. When, I mean, he's, when only, he's, he's only played three seasons. I know, and each season, 138 for his first season, 142 for his second season, and 129 for his third season. And he plays every position. It makes no sense. He's never had an on-base percentage below 380. He's never had a slugging percentage below 450. He's never had a batting average under 310. It it, it, it doesn't make fucking sense. It's absolute consistency. And he you know? plays every position. Yeah, so... To Listen, positive DWAR. His DWAR for his career is 1.3. Right. And if that was taken into consideration here, absolutely would be the number three locked in. Uh, it's not. I honestly don't know why I didn't put Jeff McNeil over Conforto. Maybe it's just because I'm, I'm biased because I like Michael Conforto as. Conforto is a great hitter. Can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Um, I don't know, though. Uh, it's tough. Uh, honestly. Looking at these numbers, I think it's the power for me. So, like, Jeff McNeil topped out 23 home runs uh, his sophomore year, 2019. Good numbers. He had three his rookie year. He had four last year. Those aren't exactly the power numbers I would want as, you know, a threat. You know, if you want an offensive threat, yeah, hitting for average is great. Hitting, you know, hitting the gap is great. At the same time, bases loaded. You want to have that power in that bat to to really unlock that. Conforto's a guy who has had three seasons with more home run totals than uh, Jeff McNeil. You know, he's had five seasons. It looks like with more than two hundred plate appearances, which uh, Jeff McNeil has had for all of his three, I believe. Um, and three of those five have had over 27 or more home runs. So I'm going to give the tiebreaker to Conforto. I will not argue otherwise, even though, you know, OPS career lower consistently, not quite as uberly consistent. All right. No, I'm, I'm with it. I have it. I have it positioned the same way just because of the extra years of play. Um, and again, just because it's it's so easy for anyone to have the one down year that drags down your OPS plus for your career, um, which Michael Conforto has with his one singular ninety five career or ninety five OPS season in twenty sixteen. Um, that I would assume that would happen. I I operate under the assumption that that's going to happen to everybody because I think that's only fair to do so. Um, and since McNeil and Alonso just they have five seasons played between the two of them, um, whereas. Uh, Conforto has five seasons played by himself. Um, sorry, six seasons played alone. Like, I, I mean, it, it's <laughs> this Corwin has technical difficulties. It, it's not even it. Yeah, it's incomparable um, by just sheer volume of plate appearances. So I would probably go uh, Lindor, um, Conforto, McNeil, and then maybe Alonso. 
and then I guess Nimmo and then JD Davis, maybe. Either way, I wouldn't put Hosmer ahead of any of these guys. At least the yeah. guys I have tied for th- for third. Yeah, I mean, I, I would still definitely have Alonzo at, at two, just because, man, you know, like, hey, Jeff McNeil is probably gonna be more likely to hit a ball than than uh, or get on base than than Pete Alonzo is. Like, that's just how that math works out. At the end of the day, who am I more scared of to face? It's Pete Alonzo because he can mash fifty home runs. And that's fucking scary. Um, so yeah, uh, um, I again, I would take McNeil, Conforto, or Alonzo ahead of Hosmer so far. Right on. All right, so let's talk about uh, the the Capitals, the Washington Capitals. The Man, Washington how do you, you really would put Alonzo at like number four. He's only got two seasons played so far, and he's he's a he's a big home run hit. He's a good hitter. He's definitely a good hitter. Yeah. Um, but you got to see with the power guys how they handle being eventually pitched around, um, and th- it can be a challenge. Gary I mean, Sanchez he, he had a was a season. sellout like, for power, dude, and yeah. he had a great first couple seasons. His first half season, twenty sixteen, and his first full season, twenty seventeen, were awesome. And then pitchers developed a strategy around him in 2018, and he really fucking struggled. So, yeah, I mean, Alonzo has had two seasons now, one essentially a half season, one full season, and he has 244 strikeouts, but still has a career 909 OPS and a 139 OPS plus and 69 home runs. Nice. That's 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 nice. So yeah, again, I'm not I'm not trying to say like I don't think he has the potential to be higher in my rankings. I'm just trying to I'm trying to be mean with how I look at them. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. All right, Washington Capitals. Again, I think this is an easy one-two choice here. Um, you know, Trey Turner, Juan Soto. Uh, Do you just put Trey Turner before Juan Soto? No, he just came up on the list before Juan Soto. Okay. Okay. I was, about to, I was about to get offended. <laughs> so because the nationals haven't played yet, they have it broken down by position instead of just having the whole team in a single table and infielder comes before outfield. So Trey Turner was before Juan Soto. I understand the list. The list I sent you Juan Soto was definitely first. Right. Um, but again, this one was kind of crowded. There's, there's a couple guys here that definitely are, in the mix, you know, Josh Bell, fantastic career so far. That power guy, you know, decent plate discipline, good guy. Kyle Schwarber, Victor Robles, threw him in there because, hey, he's he's not dead in the water. Um, and then I kind of want to throw Carter Keyboom in there, but he has one, struggled. He has struggled and is also not on the team right now. So, yeah. Uh, I personally went with uh, my guy, Josh Bell. No Pittsburgh bias there. I just think that he is a dangerous motherfucking hitter. And uh, I know he has had his streaks of struggling with the Pirates. Um, My excuse there is it's the Pirates. And who wouldn't? Yeah. Yeah, Who wouldn't struggle there? Uh, No, but I also think that you're absolutely right. I mean, last season was a down season for um, Josh Bell with his uh, I'm, I'm looking at Fangrass right now. So uh, 77 WRC plus. Um, but 
I mean, if you take it out, because last season was was hard on players mentally, in addition to the fact that there was the big gap between the two the two spring trainings and and then the season was very short. Uh, you know, sixty games is is a third of your season in a regular season. So um, I'm willing to be uh, lenient on that. I think absolutely Josh Bell's the third best hitter on the team. Is he better than Eric Hosmer? I would think so. I would think so too. I think it's a not, I don't think this is all that close. I think if I want an f- offensive first baseman, I want Josh Bell 10 times out of 10. This Washington Nationals team is so fucking bizarre. It's one of those things where, man, they have a handful of really young guys. You know, Juan Soto, I was going to say Trey Turner, but he's already 28. Carter Keboom, you know, Josh Bell's relatively young. Victor Robles he's is young. 28, too. Wow. These guys are so much older than I thought. But, yeah, they, they're they talented at a lot of positions. I just don't think they have any depth whatsoever. And that's their problem. And that's why I'm interested to see, I think, of an interesting comparison for the next few years is going to be how the Capitals, now you have me doing it, how the Nationals end up building a new team around Juan Soto versus how the Angels built teams around Mike Trout. Because in theory, you'd think that with these two guys' talent levels being as ridiculously high as they are, obviously Trout playing a more key defensive position than Soto who plays right field versus Trout center field whatever at the end of the day roster construction wise it is a relatively minor difference um oh it's a really big difference but their offensive bats carry up so much of 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 the uh difference between defensive replacement levels um that it'll be interesting to see how the nationals go about it because the angels 10 years into mike trout's career never figured it out and that based on how their pitching is set up for this season they still haven't figured the fuck out and think- the Nationals in like two seasons since their roster got a little bit fucked up after their World Series win are already still in a pretty good position, all things considered. They're not going to be good this year, per se. Mm-hmm. But they ain't going to be bad. They ain't going to be Angels bad, that's for sure. You know, I really do think that they, you know, they, the Nationals, uh, should acknowledge that they have a young superstar uh a very very young superstar and kind of basically say hey we need to make sure this guy is not only producing for us now but is producing for us in the long run and is able to have a team around him that can uh you know facilitate what he needs to perform on the field and off the field and in the clubhouse so bringing in guys who have been in his situation uh bringing in guys who still have that offensive stardom to take some pressure off of him. So say like trading for a guy like Bryce Harper, I think would fit the nationals really well. You know, he's been in that situation. He knows the team. He's at the peak of his career. (laughs) I'm sure he'd love that. Yeah, I'm sure he would. All right. Let's uh, let's talk about these cubbies. Oh, my favorites. All right. Who do you got? I went with Anthony Rizzo as the number three behind Javier Baez and Chris Bryant. Uh, Again, I feel like this is one of those teams where there is some discussion that could be had, but at the end of the day, it's the Chicago Cubs, and they kind of start and end with Anthony Rizzo. 
And even though, you know, Javi Baez is the guy, always probably will be the guy, uh, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, like those are the three core guys. Um, so Jason Hayward, definitely a, a great option. Wilson Contreras, definitely a great option. Jack Peterson, you could throw him in the conversation, but I think it's uh, Anthony Rizzo's to lose at this point. So my my hot take is that Javi Baez isn't the fourth best hitter on this team. Mm. Yeah, because I would put it Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo second, and then and then hot take again, Jock Peterson as their third best hitter. Too then Wilson Contreras. Well, and I think part of the reason he's been so streaky is that the Dodgers haven't given him consistent play time in recent seasons. I just don't think he can hit left-handed hitting or right-handed. I forget. Left-handed hitting. He's a right. He's a left-handed hitter. Yeah. Uh, left-handed pitching. That's what we both meant to say. Um, but I think he can. Oh, so I think he will. I think he'll be the third best hitter on this team with Contreras fourth and then Baez fifth. Now, would I take him over Hosmer? That's my question. Career-wise, not this season. Because if it was just this season and I had to pick one for like a fantasy team, I may I might take the boom potential of Peterson because I think he'll have a good I believe in the Jock Peterson hype heading wow, into the season. Contreras. But um fuck, that's hard. You know, I could I could while you're thinking that over, uh just looking over these numbers again, I think I just kind of glanced over Wilson Contreras. As just and also Javi Baez because of the reputation. Um, again, I was inebriated doing this. This is not <laughs> sober Corwin <laughs> thinking critically. Um, if you wanted to swap swap out Wilson Contreras and Javi Baez as you know guys in the top two, I'm not going to put them in order, but I would be totally okay with that and just keeping Rizzo as my number three. Uh, I mean, I'm. I would say I'm. I'm fine with it. I'm just gonna do it because it's it's my fucking thing, and I can. Um. So, because just looking at Wilson Contreras' career OPS versus Javi Baez, um. Javi Baez has had one season with an OPS higher than Wilson Contreras's second worst. So. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go Wilson Contreras, who has a fucking career 9,000 OPS plus. Thank you very much. But by year, it was, uh, for Contreras, it was um, 122, 118, 94, 128, which are now all very different numbers than I was finding 10 seconds ago. So I don't know what the fuck just happened. I don't know either. I don't care. Um, I don't care. If we're comparing Rizzo to Hosmer, I take Rizzo every day of the weekend, twice on Sundays, um, mm-hmm. as as every old man seems to say. Uh, but yeah, this is this is also an odd Cubs team. So, how many how many years in your mind has Anthony Rizzo played baseball for the Cubs? Oh, that's a great question. Um, f- five. How many has it been? I don't know if I'd go that few i'd probably say like seven maybe eight max uh he's in his uh, 11th year yeah this is his ninth season with the cubs yeah fuck me god damn no this is his 10th with the cubs 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, You're right. Holy shit. I'm in fan graphs, which doesn't punk ass bitches. Oh, fuck fan graphs. His only career year with an OPS under 103 was his rookie year with the Padres. So odd. Wow. I can't believe that. That feels ridiculous. So we can have this Hosmer Rizzo conversation and then get sad because we could legitimately be having a Rizzo versus Hosmer choice. I'm not sad about that. <laughs> uh, I'm a little sad. You can get I'm sad not about overly that. Overly sad, but I would take Rizzo. All right. So now let's I guess let's move on. So oh, so uh third best hitter you're saying is Rizzo and you're who, who's your who's your pick? Rizzo. Rizzo. Um if if that's the choice, I go with Rizzo as well, but I think the more realistic choice would be um Contreras or Peterson versus Hosmer, in which case I would actually probably still take whichever of the two from the Cubs, which I is also crazy slap because you in the face if you took Jacques Peterson over Hosmer, but I won't because you're very far away. I absolutely would though. And it's also crazy because you'd think that you'd think that with all these teams that were taking over the players from over Hosmer would be better teams than the Padres, because we're saying that the third best hitter is better than the third best hitter on a very good hitting team. And boy, howdy, is it just not the case in most of these? Like yeah. the overall hitting on the Padres is so fucking good, it's so but deep. it's not quite as top heavy as a lot of these, like the, like the nationals. Once you get past the third hitter, it gets very scary. Empty. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's nothing. Um, and it's, it's like not Victor quite... Robles, not a guy I'm scared of. He hasn't put it together place. yet. Now there is Kaboom. Kyle Schwarber. Not really a guy. Past prime. Of. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and to a smaller extent, it's the same thing with the Cubs. Once you get past like that fourth or fifth guy with the Cubs, it is destitute. Um, whereas yep. with the Padres, it, it just isn't. There's, there's just more guys. There's always mm-hmm. just more guys. <laughs> but anyway. Um, Speaking of one of those teams with no depth and hitting, are you ready to move on to the Cardinals? Another God, just bizarrely constructed team. Yes, let's talk about the Cardinals. So who do you have here? Is there any debate for who one and two is? Any, any, like not even a good debate, just any debate whatsoever. Who's between, coming in and um, saying Yadier Molina is their top two hitter? No, it's Yadier Molina and then, it, then it's Justin Williams. I mean, that, that's the easy. Justin Williams, no, choice. dude, Tommy Edmond, man, superstar. No, Paul DeYoung. Uh. It's Paul Goldschmidt. It's Nolan Arenado. It, it's not up for debate. Number three, I basically went Dylan Carlson because he's 22 and in, what, his second season? And despite having 110 at-bats coming into this year, I really don't think there's much debate based off of his profile as who the third most dangerous guy on this team is. Because it's not Tommy Edmond, it's not Paul DeYoung, it's not Tyler O'Neill. Yachty's 50 years old. <laughs> yeah, Yachty, Yachty's going to buy his casket after one of these games one day. Um, it, it's so tough to project with this Cardinals team because they are, they are also such a top-heavy team. And then the difference with their depth guys as compared to some of the other teams we talked about is that they just have like no fucking at bats. A lot of these guys came up in 2019 for a bit and then played chunks of 2020, which was a shortened season. And so altogether, they just don't have a lot of plate appearance. You don't know who the fuck they are. So if we look at um, Tommy Edmund, so they're, they're starting um, lineup as according to fan graphs 
in some order is Tommy Edmond, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Paul DeYoung, Tyler O'Neill, Yadi Molina, Dylan Carlson, Dylan Carlson, and Justin Williams. We're going to cross off Paul Goldschmidt because Corbin picked him. We're going to cross off Nolan Arenado because Corbin picked him, which were right. Those were the right choices. And we're going to cross off Yadi Molina because it's just not worth even fucking bothering. Um, so if you look at Tommy Edmond, uh, he came up in 2019 and played in 92 games, which is respectable, and then played 55 in 2020. Um, and his OPS plus, sorry, his WSC plus, because again, I'm, I'm in fan graphs, in 2019 was 123, phenomenal. And in 2020, it was 90. And that's a huge drop off. And that's not to say his talent dropped off. It's just to say we haven't fucking seen this kid. It's his second season in the league. It was a weird year. Like, there's no, how do you, how do you get anything from that? Um, so, is he your third best hitter? Who the fuck knows? Next up that on, on that list was was Paul DeYoung, who's been in the league for a lot longer, but it's more of a defensive guy. His OPS, WCR, WRC Plus has dropped every single season he's been in the league. 2017, 123. 2018, 103. 2019, 100. 2020, 86. Um, is he your third best hitter? Probably not. But at the same time, that's more of a history than we're going to get on the other guys. Let's look at Tyler O'Neill, who's been in the league since 2018. Another guy whose WRC Plus has gone down every season. 2018, 116. 2019, 91. 2020, 70. Is that that your guy? Dylan Carlson, the guy Corbin picked, only played in 35 games in 2020, and that's the only major league experience he has with a WRC Plus of 65. But at the same time, it's like, what do you what would you learn from that? And then you got Justin Williams, who also came up in 2020, played in um, three games, if I'm reading this correctly. Yeah, three games also with the WRC plus of 65. So it's like, what do you, so who your third best hitter is with this team is basically who do you hate the least? And that's not to or who do you who do you think has the most potential to not suck? Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to say that to like you know, hate on any of these guys. These are all these guys have the potential to be better than they were in the last couple seasons, but there's, there's no one, there's no one even trending up. And that's, what's hard to look at with this team. And I think no matter who you pick out of those guys' names that we just read, Eric Hosmer is better than all of them. Right. And, you know, at the end of the day, Dylan Carlson is the number 13 overall prospect in baseball. Number one prospect in the Cardinal system has shown what you need you know like the guys he's ahead of the next three are andrew vaughn sixto sanchez and marco luciano both superstar like all three of those guys have shown lightning stuff um i'll say harrison bader Bader, uh, on the bench um i'll just say you know the the expectations and possibilities there are significantly higher so i'll stick with it uh, but again, Hosmer is the guy, at least until Carlson can show something. Yeah, so Harrison Bader's hurt, but he might be in contention for third best header. At least his OPS, WCRC Plus just ping-pongs back and forth. 71, 107, 81, 113. Um, Matt Carpenter was really good and then fell Not off old, the planet. Which I'm not upset about as a former Pirates fan. 
like his WRC plus by season starting in 2012, which was his first full year, 124, 146, 117, 140, 136, 124, 140. And then 2019, it was 95. And then 2020, it was 84. I mean, uh, that is such an incredible drop off. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do. It's it's really unfortunate, uh, but that's life. That's life. Yes, he is. All right, you ready to move on to the next team on our list? I have Ooh. the Cincinnati Reds. Oh, you have the Reds? Oh, I skipped right over them. Yep. As you probably them. should. Uh, so I have Anu Dario Suarez. How do you pronounce his first name? A-U. E-U. A-U. E-U, Henio Suarez. Okay, thank you. I, it's not Eugenio. Eugenio Suarez. Yeah. Eugenio it's, Suarez. It's and Nick Castellano says the one and two. Um, I don't Probably think. Probably right. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Castellano, so uh, I didn't really have a competition between him and the next two guys, which I think is the competition here, whether it's you prefer Mike Moustakis, the Moose, or you prefer Joey Votto. Uh, at this point in both their careers, it's kind of, do you want plate discipline and some bat or some power or a lot of power and some plate discipline? I went with Mike Moustakis just because Joey Votto, I think, is on the very much tail end of his career um, and it's just not the player he once was. I know he had a very good season last year, um, but I think the Moose is still the guy to be, guy to beat, I should say. So, um, yeah, what are your thoughts? Um, I'm going to probably disagree about the choice. Uh, I'm just trying to debate who I'm going to actually put at number three. Wow. How long do you think Tucker Barnhart's been in the majors for? Nine years. Something stupid long. Oh, you would have guessed way more than I would have guessed like three. It's been eight. Jeez. Hell yeah. Wow. Yeah, it, I don't know why I feel like he's so young, but he just isn't. Um, <laughs> sorry. Sorry if you're listening to this, um, Mr. Barnhart. Sorry for calling you fucking old. Uh, anyway. Well, he is, so I don't think he, he is. can get upset. I, I might go Jesse Winker for their third best hitter. Yeah, which is fair. Um, his career WRC Plus is 127. Um, his, his WRC plus by season, 2017, 134, 2018, 127, 2019, 113. And then last season it was 146. Um, and he's, you know, he's pretty young still. This is his age 27 season. Um, you're right about Votto. Votto's play discipline is just so fucking stupid. It's so goddamn good. Um, and even though he is definitely showing his age with 2019, his last full season, because last season was, you know, um, was a bad season for him. Still a 101 WRC plus. He's never been below league average in in WRC plus, which is just such a feat to never have one of those one off seasons that drops you down to like an 85 or some shit. Um, Moose's career WRC plus is literally 100, which I find fascinating because his early years in Kansas city weren't as hot hitting as his later years. And then his, uh, his more recent seasons, which is just fascinating. Cause I didn't, I don't remember that. No, like, not at all. The year before. So the, when the Royals won the world, world series in 2015, Moose was a big factor in that he had a 123 WRC plus the four years prior to that, uh, 2011, 84, 2012, 90, 
2013, 77, and then 2014, 75. And then since then, starting in 2015, it goes 123, 111, 113, 105, 114, 109. Never been worse than league average since then. That's bizarre. It's not ideal. It's just so weird. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So I'd probably go Jesse Winker just because he's he's got a, you know the age factor over um, Vado, but I don't think there's a wrong choice necessarily because I will defend Joey Vado to my dying breath. Um, yeah, um, I'm fine going with Jesse Winker here. I think there's a close enough argument between all three of those guys where um, you know it's looking and reviewing his numbers like he. He doesn't really have much of an average. Well, you know, looking back, he did. So I can't argue much. I'll go Jesse Winker just for argument's sake. Um, Can I probably pick Winker over Hosmer? I'll still pick Hosmer. Um, Homer, Hosmer. Yeah, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Uh, Just because, I don't know. I trust Hosmer more than I would trust Winker, I think. You know, I'm finding this to be such an interesting exercise because I never think about who a team's third best hitter is. No, it's one, two, and then kind of the rest of the guys are all grouped together until you get to like, oh, who's their eight, nine guy? Right. At least I think to myself, it's like everything below that's depth. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, oh, you got your number one hitter, you got your number two hitter, and then you got your depth guys. And honestly, in reality, a lot of these number three hitters are phenomenal hitters. Um, And I'm just not respecting them. (laughs) You say? Yeah, I, this is definitely a me issue, which I'm, which is, which is interesting that I'm, I'm really picking up on the fact that uh, I just don't respect these people when I should. Um, uh, honestly, of part of me really wanted to hit Aristides Aquino. Oh, he's wonderful. Because he's just fun to watch. He is so he much fun to watch. Wants to beat the shit out of the ball. And I appreciate that about. Talk man. about OPS. Rookie year, 2018, or first year, first cup of coffee. OPS plus of negative 100. Had one at bat, so I can't really argue. Then his actual rookie year, 118 OPS plus, where he mashed 19 home runs in 56 games. Then a 62 OPS plus last year in 23 games. We don't want to talk about that. Only two home runs. Uh, And a 1,000 OPS for a 146 OPS plus so far this year. So, you know, three at bats, no, no sample size. Sample size consideration here. Fun play. All right. Let's bring it into the Brewers. Keep this moving. Brew crew. This is uh, this is going to get dark. Yes, it is. I want you to um, know, guys. I went with Christian Yelich at number one. And I got very confused after that. Yeah, it's uh, hard after that. I went with Lorenzo Kane just because I kind of trust Lorenzo Kane compared to the question marks all over the rest of this this roster. I know Keston Why? It's Hira. Hira. Yeah, it's something not off the cuff. uh, Is kind of the guy moving forward and and the the hitting prospect. Uh, That being said, he's had two seasons, both up and down. um, So I couldn't really give him that lock in at number two quite yet. So I had him him as the the number three guy. Colton Wong has the history, but at the same time, he's never really been that spectacular hitter. Um, Career 96 WRC plus. Yeah. Fine. So, there's Travis Shaw, again, up and down his whole career. Luis Arias. Um, Urias. 
I know it's him and yeah. the other areas are two different. I don't remember. Um, again, has that hit tool, but never has been really able to put it together. So all over the place, all over the place. I, you know, stuck with Kesson Hira, Hira, fuck me. Um, names are tough today. There's a lot of them that we all got to say, and I haven't taken my Adderall yet. So, um, yeah, yeah what are your I, thoughts? I, no, I, I, I fully agree. I mean, this, this Brewers team is shallow it's They're got not good pitching here with their bat yeah no exactly. absolutely not and their pitching's been decent which is what's been allowing them to be relatively competitive in a weaker division but still relatively competitive um and they're if they took more chances i think they might have better batting they've clearly gone for defense um they you know, they, they have a Lorenzo Kane and then also signed Jackie Bradley Jr. this offseason. And it's like, if you have Lorenzo Kane, why do you need Jackie Bradley Jr.? Um, because they are relatively similar players and it, it seems redundant, but uh, I mean, whatever. Um, so their they're hitting is just, is just, oof. So I would, I, I would agree though. I would, I would put, um, Kesson Hira as their third best. I would probably pick Hosmer over that. Um, I would too. Yeah, and and he the kid looks like he could have a great career. I'm 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 looking forward to Kesson Hira and really just the idea of there being a second very reliable bat outside of Christian Yelich on that team. But all things in time. All things in time. All right, moving on. No teams left in the NL Central. Except for those pirates, is it even worth? Talk- I mean, I mean, Hosmer's better than the, than the I best orig- on this in the team. table. In the table I made, I originally wrote "Go fuck yourself" instead of any player because it's they're not better than Hosmer. But I figured we should at least mention that players exist. Number one and number two is probably Cabrian Hayes and Colin Moran. Uh, I put uh, Brian Reynolds there at two instead of. Colin Moran. Colin Moran, not that good of a hitter. Uh, Well, that's the problem with this whole team. (laughs) Right. So Brian Reynolds, I at least have hope, can put together a a bounce back season. Um, I put Adam Frazier as the number three guy. He could be number two. Colin Moran could be number two. Brian Reynolds could be number two. Kevin Newman could be number two. Anyone could be number two. There's one and the rest none of them are yeah yeah you're gonna take Hosmer over just about everyone on this team right now so as of right now I would take Hosmer over Cabrian Hayes only because Cabrian Hayes is young this is his first full season right and you fully expect up and down here yeah just growing pains that that, that's normal for a rook so yep hey if the Padres want to be like hey we'll give you Eric Hosmer to lead your team for Cabrian Hayes I'd be all for it also partially because the pirates will probably just say yes. They are bad at making any type of roster move. Kind of a tangent. Ethan and I spent all yesterday and the day before watching baseball. And he got so pissed off every time like a, a Starlin Marte or a Chris Archer or a Tyler Glass now or an Austin Meadows. We watched Marlins race yesterday. Came up and be like, they used to play for the pirates. Fuck the pirates. God damn it. These guys, they got traded for nothing. And he just got real pissed off by the end of the day over my obsession with a team I claim I no longer root for. 
because they're annoyingly bad. They're they're bad in yeah. the worst way. Yeah. Like when when the Browns were bad for the last uh, twenty years, um, it's because they did stuff wrong, but they also were doing stuff wrong while trying. In a lot of ways, like hey, look, they took a first round quarterback. They took the wrong first round quarterback, but they took a first round quarterback. Um, and then it's like, oh, but they're still bad. And so they were like the fun, sad sack team. The Pirates just they, like all the trades and roster moves that they make. You're looking at them going, why are you doing this? And that's not something you root for. Yeah. So. Um, so the lineup card for the Padres game just got submitted. Guess who they have batting cleanup? Haas. Eric Hosmer. All right. That's just lefty-righty splits, but whatever. Um, let's talk some Diamondbacks. Sure. About to get sweeped by the Padres today. Uh, again, okay. All right. What's going on here? Why is this? Okay. Baseball reference being a dick. Um, God, what a what a rough team altogether. Um Cattell Marte is the number one. I don't think that's up for much debate. I put Christian Walker as their number two hitter, which left Esdrubal Cabrera as their number three. That's hilarious. That's really bad. Like, Cattell Marte, excellent player. We could all agree. Absolutely an all-star caliber player and has shown it this year. I mean, he started the season like seven for nine. Dude's lights out. Eduardo Escobar, Josh Rojas, Dribble Carrera, David Peralta, Christian Walker, Tim LaCastro. I don't care about any single one of these guys. So I th- I think I would rank it Cattell Marte, David Peralta, and then Christian Walker. So okay. I think I would do it. Uh, I don't have that much faith in David Peralta. He, because he's he's got the flashes, and he only has right. one season sub, um, one hundred WRC plus, and the ceiling is is a good ceiling. One thirty seven in uh, twenty fifteen, one thirty in twenty eighteen, um, but the rest of the seasons are all between one hundred and one ten. Like he, they, he's very just above average. Christian Walker, um, I mean. He, oh my God, wait, Christian Walker's been a major league player for this long? Yeah, that's exactly what I say every time I look at his page. Like, he's 30. Oh my God. And he seems like he's 24. Yeah, but he's all, so my, my issue just with Christian Walker is that he his floor is much, much lower. Yeah, um, he can be straight up bad. Yeah, his 2018 um, campaign with the um, Diamondbacks resulted in a 61 WRC plus coming off of a 200 WRC plus 11 game stint with the Diamondbacks. Um, since 2018 and 2019, he had a 111 WRC plus and a 110 WRC plus. So it seems like he's stabilizing a little bit more around the upper end of a normal David Peralta season, but I think David Peralta's ceiling is higher. So I'll probably go with him at number two, but it's, it's a little bit splitting hairs here. These are very similar production guys in Which terms I'm, of WRC I'm, plus I'm totally fine with all that the only reason I went with Cabrera at number three is because yeah his ceiling is not anything special but you're getting that consistency where it's like all right looking back he's got a 208 OPS plus right now but again eight at bats so 
going back 102 98 111 110 117 106 93 96 114 121 89 career low 114 92 103 there's a lot of up and down there but you're always within at at the very worst you're within 10 points of average and you have those seasons where he pops off a little bit gets up to 121 115 117 it's the consistency for me which for a team with a serious lack of of offensive options that consistency was the deal breaker for me or the tiebreaker the real shame here is josh rojas who in 2019 was just raking and then has done absolutely nothing since he got in the majors In 2019 with Houston and double-A, he had a WRC plus of 169 in 44 games. He got bumped up to triple-A, played 53 games there, hit a little bit worse, but still a 137 WRC plus, which is still phenomenal. Then he got moved to the um, Diamondbacks. He played 20, sorry, eight games in 2019 with the triple-A team for Arizona to a 264 WRC plus, got called up. And then the rest of 2019 with the majors, 41 games, batted a 67 WRC plus. Started the year with Arizona in 2020 and played 17 games with them to a 24 WRC plus. I mean, that's just awful. Uh, I will like to say before we move on, and I do want to move on from Josh Rojas, Rojas but before we move on from the Diamondbacks, uh, Cattell Marte batting 615 right now with a 371 OPS plus. Got leading all the baseball sizes. in total bases. Not a big deal. I'd also like to shout out the Diamondback, Pavin Smith, for having a fascinating name. Uh, did you watch name. any of the uh, game yesterday? Uh, was it Diamondbacks Padres? N- yeah. No. Uh, I Caleb- fell asleep watching White Sox Angels. Touche. Uh, Caleb Smith, incapable of finding the strike zone. One of the worst pitching outings I've seen in a long time. That's a shame. It's a damn shame. Let's see. Just uh, quickly, I want to see if if he has a really crazy stat line. Um, Then nothing special. So moving on. Speaking of nothing special, let's talk about the Rockies. Nothing special. Uh, while I bring this up, you want to, you want to kick this one off, kick the tires? Uh, yeah. All right. So this team sucks. Um, yes, it does. so Trevor story and, and, and Charlie Blackman have to be, yeah, you have them picked as number one and number two. Um, that's the right order I think as well. Uh, but God damn, what do you do after that? Um, so the rest, so their lineup, according to fan graphs, um, is Rymel type Tapia, Josh Fuentes, then yeah. Trevor story. Charlie Blackman, then CJ Crone in the five hole, Ryan McMahon, Chris Owings, and Dom Nunez rounding out the eight batting, uh, eight, eight total batters with the nine hole, obviously being whoever's pitching that day. Um, Rymel Tapia has a career WRC plus of 78. Yeah. This is his sixth MLB season. He's never um, had one of, but at 100. Right. Uh, uh, Josh Fuentes is a career. Um, 67 WRC plus granted he's only in his third MLB season, but his first two seasons look awful. Um, CJ Crone has bounced around the league a lot, um, but he's still a good hitter. WRC plus career wise uh, is 110, which is nice. Um, Ryan McMahon has a career WRC plus of 81 
in his fifth MLB season here. Uh, Chris Owings on my fantasy baseball team this year um, has a career WSU plus of 69, which is nice, but not nice. Um, Although this season he has a 192, which is why he's on my fantasy baseball team already. Um, And then Dom Nunez, whose name I've never heard, um, as a career WSU plus of 43, granted, this is only his second major league season. So this team is awful. CJ Crone. It's really fucking awful. 31 year old CJ Crone is there is absolutely hit the nail on the head with it. Is this, this is the third best hitter. And I would take our Hosmer over him. Purely, purely, purely just out of absolute need because there's no other option it, also, it wasn't how, like oh cj crone's the best of the rest he's the only one there who's a major league hitter yeah and that's that's what was going to be my question how why is josh fuentes batting second for them they should put him behind crone so that it goes whoever the fuck is leading off i guess in this Tapia. instance it's Rymel tapia and then it should be trevor story who's your best hitter at two charlie blackman who's a great contact hitter at three and then crone who's your a Good cleanup. He's got power and nothing else. So fuck it. Throw him in the, into the into the cleanup spot, and then the rest of the year slop in the bag. Why even bother putting Josh Fuentes there? Yeah, I mean you're gonna waste the rest. Like the rest of that lineup is gonna do nothing, except it and let them do nothing together. And then Chris and, Owens should be moved up from the seven hole. Uh, whatever. Yeah, just highlight them all and just it's like putting all of your top scores on the top line in hockey. It, yeah, you focus all it on that and hope they figure it out otherwise you're losing yeah let's just move on from the rockies they don't deserve our attention (laughs) haas over everyone but story uh all right so we're going to the giants next yeah save the two big ones for last um this is another team where it's like what what do they have going on uh i put mike yastrzemski at one brandon belt at two other than that i don't even know where to start I didn't realize they had Tommy LaStella. I totally forgot they had Tommy LaStella now. Um, oh, jeez. I honestly forgot they had Tommy LaStella, too. All right, so Tommy LaStella is a 107 WRC plus for his career. Uh, Mike Dostremski, OPS plus. 130 WRC plus for his career. Donovan Solano is a 90. Uh, but Brandon- he has been lights out the past two years. Like two, three years, he's been fucking murdering the ball. Twenty ever since he came to San Francisco. Twenty twenty, yeah. a one twenty six WRC plus. Twenty nineteen, a one fifteen WRC plus. And so far in three games this season, a two oh one WRC plus. Yeah. Um. It's again three games, but whatever. Fourteen at bats, seven hits, batting five hundred, pretty good. Now, Buster Posey. Oh man, so you have him as the third best hitter. I'm not sure anymore. It's, it's such a tough spot. And- <laughs> this was a, I really hope last year was a, or 2019 was just kind of a, a fluke. And hopefully he could find some golden year wonder, but. Uh, man. Yeah. I'm not sure I'd put him above Alex Dickerson right now. Uh, it's a whole lot of, it's a whole lot of shit though. It really is. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, Donovan Solano has been good. Buster Posey hasn't been good. Brandon Crawford, Evan well, Longoria. Buster Posey's been old and hurt. Has not been good. Yeah, but I mean, same with yeah. Crawford and Longoria. Old and hurt. Yeah. Um, All right, so I think I would go Yastrzemski, Belt, and then 
probably Donovan Solano at 33 years old. And then maybe, maybe uh, Buster Posey, Alex Dickerson, and then Tommy LaStella. Because Solano has been hot the past three years, I'm totally okay putting him at three over Posey, who hasn't played in a year. Um, Actually, I'm, I'm bumping up Alex Dickerson. Alex Dickerson. He's, he's playing too well. Yeah, um, fair enough. I'm not convinced I take any of these guys over Haas, only because Haas has been very consistent, and these guys have Agreed. been great since they've joined the, the Giants, but have been – that's been the story for all of them. It's just, it's just odd. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. I didn't realize you had your hand up, Corbin. Yeah, no, you know, video podcast, all, that whole thing. Uh, do you know the names Austin Slater or Marcuccio Dubon? Mauricio? Um, I've seen them in our draft. That's about it. They are the only two listed starters for the Giants under the age of 30. Oh, my God. That can't possibly be true. Buster Posey, 34. Brandon wow, Belt, 33. Donovan Solano, 33. Brandon Crawford, 34. Evan Longoria, 35. Austin Slater, 28. Mar... Mauricio M- Dubon. <laughs> 26. Mike Yastrzemski, 30. Oh, Wilmer Flores is listed as their uh, their bench infielder is 29.7. But Ruff is 34, Caselli is 32, Dickerson's 31, Tommy Lestella is 32. How is this team so this old? This is the oldest fucking team ever. You can be young and bad. You can be old and good. If you're old and bad, you're doing it wrong. At least they're old and mediocre in a very tough division. Yeah. All right, let's let's move on. From it's okay. This. Their number one pitcher is thirty-five-year-old Johnny Cueto. Oh my God, he is! Wow, that's so sad. I mean, sure, you could put Kevin Gaussman there, but even he's thirty. This team is in for a world of suck. All right, so do you want to talk about the Dodgers next? Yeah. Okay, so number one has got to be Mookie Betts. You know what? I just want to say, we know their third best hitter is going to be better than Haas because of how fucking good this lineup is. Do you want to see how far down their lineup you have to go before you would fit Haas in? That's a that's that's a good drill. Because I, like I that. feel like that's going to fit better. All right, so let let let's work through it together. Number one, got to be Betts, right? Betts, number one, easy peasy lemon squeezy. Okay, now number two, do you go Belly Bellinger. or Seeger? I put Bellinger. Okay, then number three, Seeger. Yes. Number four, Turner? Nope. Muncie? Will Smith. Oh, Will Smith. An interesting choice. I honestly would argue Will Smith over Corey Seeker as well. Um, Will Smith is fucking good. He's he's going to be pushing Real Muto for, for, for top catcher this year, next year. So Will Smith, who has been up for two seasons thus far, 2019. This is his third season in the majors. 2019. A 132 WRC plus 2020, a 163 WRC plus, and he's off to a hot start this year. 318 WRC plus so far. His OPS plus is 391. Disgusting. Yep. So yeah, after Smith, I would say Muncie. Okay, so hold on, I navigated away. Uh, All right, so after Smith, you're going Muncie. Yep. Then Turner. I'll go Turner after that. Yep. And then I'd go Gavin Lux, then Chris Taylor at the end. 
Yeah, uh, with AJ Pollock in there somewhere, but I don't care about AJ Pollock anymore. I forgot AJ Pollock was here. Wow. Yeah, I don't. I, again, I don't really care about AJ Pollock anymore. He's far He's past the other fish man. Yeah, I would put Haas above Chris Taylor behind Gavin Lux. I may, you know what? I'm going to put Haas this season in front of Lux. Um, but I think that's where we would draw the line for me. So God, this team is stupid. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. So Haas would be their seventh best hitter. Wow, this is just disgusting. Oh, my God. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like so definitely Haas barely would crack the roster here, which yeah. goes for most players in Major League Baseball at this point in time. Fuck. Let's not do pitching next. Because nope. that would get better. So one thing I did say that uh, or see that I wanted to mention, Ross Stripling is the number two starter for the Blue Jays this season. Just had a rough outing yesterday. Yep. If he stayed on the Dodgers, he would be their number eight starter. I'm honestly surprised it's that high. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, Bauer, Kershaw, Walker, Arias, uh, uh, Dustin May, Gonsolin, David Price, then... Even Jimmy Nelson, I'd throw there if you wanted to. Um, and then, and only then, and then like four prospects that I'm sure are right there for the Dodgers. And then we would have Ross Stripling. Yeah. Who again is the number two starter for the Blue Jays. Keep By necessity. Engine Rue healthy. Yeah, that's the thing. By necessity, because they've also had a slew of injuries already. My God, that team is so oh, bloody. Yeah. Um. All right. Do you want to talk about the Padres with Hosmer, or might as well close it out on that? Yeah. So Fernando Tatis number one. Yep. Machado number two. Clearly. Yep. Right, so then easy. we're then we're debating between Fam, Will Myers, Jake Cronenworth, Profar, and Victor Cartini. Caratini. Um. Cardellini. I would say Campusano is even a better hitter at this point than Caratini. I'm just going by what they have here listed as the lineup, but I will Which open is fine. Up yeah. Campusano. Um, yes. The, the Padres are really just team Italian. Um, it's true. All right. Tommy Pham, career WRC plus of 126. Yep. Um, with the Padres, though, it has been a tiny bit of a struggle. 78 WRC plus last season and yeah, only a 102 hurt. this year. So far. Only. Yeah. Uh, Campusano is in his second league, of the, second season in the majors last year. He played in one game and uh, hit a home run. So he has a 337 WRC plus from last season. This year he's played in one game and has had not had a home run, but still has a WRC plus of 143. So that's Luis Campusano. Yeah. I mean, it, it's tough. Like, I mean, Will Myers not has been really good this year, has been really good last year. Tommy Pham has just been way too inconsistent, way too streaky. Profar is just not necessarily the guy I would uh, so you put, argue. Would, would you put you put Hosmer over um, over uh, Jake Cronenworth? 
it's tough because who's young and old at the same time. Very young. Twenty-seven. Has little experience, I should say. Year and a half, yeah. Yeah. Um, what I've seen from Crony, I fucking love him to death. He's one of my favorite Padres. Um, I'm all in on him being an excellent player. He's had one season, one full season. Granted, eight thirty one OPS, one thirty OPS plus. Great year for him. You know, only struck out thirty times compared to eighteen walks. Uh, I, it's tough. I would still give it to Hosmer. That's that veteran, that veteran experience. Yeah, I, I would. I would probably go Hosmer over Will Myers only because Will Myers is a much more league average hitter. With the exception being 2020, when he posted and literally out of nowhere 154 OPS plus or WRC plus, like it, it his last six seasons before the only season he had above that or near that I should say was his 129 OPS WRC plus rookie season with the Rays, um, which I mean he hasn't come anywhere near since this 2020 season and they're those are seven seasons apart so like it's, what's the point? Um, really strikes me as a guy who's like I play for shit teams whatever now i play for a good team let's fucking go all out yeah fam has a really high peak in there but um i get why you why you lean hosmer there um fam's a great player but he is he is very streaky and up and down uh and then cronenworth is young all right so i i see the argument here i mean hassan kim has some merit to an argument he has five career big league at bats so yeah, and there's just not enough data in the MLB for him yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, the only person I might argue about is is him over Jake Cronenworth, depending on how much you want to wait that last shortened season. But that's really it. Oh, geez, the yawns are coming in heavy at the end of this. Uh, so yeah, that's our that's our little discussion. This was fun. I enjoyed this. This was. Fun. I said at the top that we'd go through the American League at the end, but we've been going for a while, and I think I'm kind of ready to get ready to watch actual baseball. Hey, we not be on video. Yeah, we can absolutely do that for like next week or something. Who's the Yankees' number three hitter? Judge Stanton. Uh, in the batting order, it's Aaron Hicks. In reality, you. oh, that's a it's, yeah. That's, that's all right. Hold on. Let's at least do the Yankees now, because now this is an argument. Um, we'll we'll do the Yankees to see what our 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 question will be when we do the AL. Okay. Is DJ LeMahieu the best number three hitter in the AL? So let's 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 do some judgmenting here. Um, all around, I I don't want to pick between Stan and Judge. Um, I probably would say Stanton's the better hitter. Um, in my gut, uh, obviously the you Yankees fan the base. Negative forty OPS plus this year. <laughs> um, obviously the, the Yankees fan base is going to love Judge Moore because he's the the homegrown guy. We drafted him, um, but I I think Stanton is an MVP. Like like I know Judge should have won one, but Stanton looks like it all the time. It's incredible. Um, Judge is also really fucking good, but I mean. I, the, the 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 amount to which Stanton murders baseballs is at is somehow at a higher rate than the amount at which Judge murders baseballs. So I'm going to go it's, Stanton, and then Judge. I'll also say he won an MVP with the Miami Marlins. Yeah, that adds a certain level. Runs. Little yeah. little bit harder to do than with the Yankees. After that, I know there's a lot of love for DJ because he he 
you know, was he has a very high batting average, and I appreciate that. I probably would say Glaber Torres is probably our third best hitter, and then DJ, and then Gary. Um, but where's Jay Bruce? He, uh, well, all right, hold on. I have to complain about that for a moment because the Yankees lineup came out for today, and Jay Bruce is batting fifth. Um, it doesn't make any sense. So the Stanton gets a day off today. So the, the batting line for the Yankees for today is LeMahieu at batting first, then second is Judge, Hicks, Torres, Bruce, Sanchez, Frazier, Urshela, Gardner rounding out the end of the lineup. Um, That's too high. Make any fucking sense. Because my, my thing with the Yankees, or my, my thing with, with, with baseball logic as of today, is that the reason the Yankees are so right-handed heavy is that the idea is if you hit pitching, we're not going to wait anything outside of goal. Right. We're not going to wait anything outside of the things that we can literally measure. We're not going to give deference towards left-handed hitter. If they don't hit righties to the same degree that our right-handed hitters murder righties and just weight them heavier just because they happen to be lefties. We're not going to do that. And yet there's still this idea that we have to split up the righties. Does it, does, does it matter? If you're not going to make those decisions when you're determining who gets the roster spot, why would you make that type of decision-making when you're determining the batting order? Like, how does it matter? Because it's misguided. And I'm sure there's a math to it that we don't know because every team does this. But, like, I, I, don't, I can't conceptually wrap my head around how it makes sense that we're going to – who cares what handedness our, our, you know, four out of our five right-handed hitters are. You know, who cares what handedness our first baseman is, which um, is Luke Voigt as long as he hits balls really hard off of righties to some degree, as well as he does off of lefties. But now it matters what handedness he's going to be in the lineup to make sure we don't have too many righties in a row. I, it, like To me, it either matters or it doesn't. Question for you. <clears throat> Excuse me. If Miguel and Duhar was healthy, where would he fit? Uh, nowhere. Like as a batter in this order. I mean, he'd be uh, the backup third baseman at best. No, like not about where he would fit in the actual New York Yankees starting lineup. Oh. Where would he rank as offensive option? Uh, he'd probably bat eighth or ninth. He, the dude doesn't walk at all. Um, the only reason he wouldn't necessarily bat ninth is if they want to put a better bat at ninth to have a better transition into the um, one hitter for DJ. Um, that's the only reason. He, he would be dead last. Um production-wise, expected production-wise. Hmm. So behind, like, a Jay Bruce, behind a Frazier, behind all that? Oh, definitely behind Frazier. Absolutely yeah. behind Frazier. Um, probably behind Jay Bruce. Okay. Corbin asks as a Miguel Andujar fantasy owner. Yep. All right. Um, this has been going for a while. Do you have any closing thoughts before we get out of here? I'm excited to do the AL. I'm excited to eventually get to putting together like maybe a top 10 of all MLB. This was a fun little exercise. This was a fun exercise. I wasn't sure what to expect out of it, but this was good. I liked this. All right. Well, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Juicing Pod. If you want to follow Corwin on Twitter, you can do so at Corwin Heller. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. If you want to send us emails, you can do so at juicingthenumbers at gmail.com. And until Thursday, y'all have a good one. Bye.